For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast, everybody. This is Jake Arthur, joined by the incomparable Zach Hicks. And we're here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. I swear I mess that up every... I'm starting to think it's written like that. It's I know. subscribe and then I, subscribe. It's a word I can't get. <laughs> But yeah, we would love it if you'd also give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show and please review as well and tell me that I'm a jackass because I can't say subscribe. Now you're going to be thinking about it every time you review it. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us, everyone, uh, on today's show. Uh, we're going to do a little mini-sode because it's Christmas week and we've all got stuff to do. Uh, we did, however, fit in a nice little interview with Alex Kazora from Steelers Depot to tell us what the hell is going on with that Steelers team. Uh, they were once really good, 11-0, and now they've lost three straight. Uh, the Colts are going out to Heinz Field to take on the Steelers. It's a biggie because the Colts can clinch a playoff spot uh, if they win and the Ravens lose or tie, if the Colts win and the Dolphins lose or tie, if the Colts tie and the Ravens lose, so on and so forth. So it's go Either Ravens loss or Dolphins loss. Yeah, it's in the simplest and of terms. The Colts even if the Colts lose, lose, like we'll feel okay. Yeah. Yeah. In the simplest of terms, it'd be great if the Colts won, but we would also love it if the Dolphins and Raven Ravens lost. Before yeah. we're moving on, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. This may be a little bit of a surprise, but the Colts on the road are actually one and a half point favorites currently. The point over under is at 44 and a half though, so it looks like they see it as kind of a defensive struggle. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, this game, of course, let's give you some background info. It's this Sunday, December 27th at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. It's a one o'clock Eastern kick. It is on CBS with the all-star crew, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson. On the radio locally, it's on WFNI and WLHK with Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, Lara Overton and Bill Brooks. And it's also on Sports USA Radio with John Ehlers and Brandon Noble on the call. The referee crew this week is Alex Kemp's group. Alex is in his seventh year as an NFL official. 
and his crew is actually tied for the most penalties thrown in the league. So yikes. Fun. That's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Roto-Wire for that info. It's, you know, it's been a relief lately though, because the Colts have got a lot of not so flag happy crews, but now they get arguably the, the most. Uh, all time, the Colts are six and 19 against the Steelers and 0 and five in the playoffs. So not great. The Steelers have also won the last, last six matchups. Uh, their statistical leaders this year, Big Ben Roethlisberger, 3,462 passing yards. Rushing is James Conner with 663 yards. Receiving is Deontay Johnson at 753 yards. Chase Claypool leads them with 10 touchdowns. Minka Fitzpatrick leads them with 66 tackles. TJ Watt is an animal. He leads them with 13 sacks. So the Colts just have to keep facing Watt brothers all damn year. Uh, and then Fitzpatrick also leads them in interceptions with four. Some team stats. Offensively, the Steelers are first in sacks allowed, which is 12. And then it gets worse. Uh, 25th overall, 329 yards per game. They're tied for 30th in passing yards per attempt with 6.2. They're 31st in rushing at 88.9. And they're tied for 31st in yards per carry at 3.7. Defensively, much better. Uh, they're first in interceptions with 17 and sacks with 47. Uh, they are first on fourth downs, allowing just 29.4%. They're second overall, allowing 297.9 yards per game. Second in scoring at 18.9 points per game. They're also second against the pass, 193.3 yards. They're th uh, third on third downs, allowing 36.6%. Sixth in the red zone at 53.9% and eighth against the run, 104.6 yards. So that sounds really, really good. But again, they've lost three straight games, so they are beatable. There's not really one secret recipe to it. They just kind of like you'll see Alex says, they, they shoot themselves in their foot a lot too. Uh, some milestones to watch for for the Colts again. Philip Rivers, there's a thousand things. Just that's all you need to know. There is <laughs> yep, exactly. a lot of things that he could do. Um, Naheem Hines needs five receptions to pass Marshall Falk for the most receptions by Colts running back and the fifth most by a Colts player in their first three seasons. Falk had 164. T.Y. Hilton needs one touchdown to pass Jimmy Orr uh, and Ty Marshall Falk for the eighth most total touchdowns in franchise history. Falk has 51. Uh, and T.Y. also needs three receiving yards to pass Raymond Berry for the third most receiving yards in franchise history. That's big. That is a big one. Raymond Berry, Hall of Famer. That's going to put T.Y. only behind Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. That's that's serious. Uh, 9,275 yards. That's what Berry has. So you'd imagine his first catch of the game is going to far surpass that. Yeah. Hey, if T.Y. comes back next year, he could hit 10,000 with the team, too, which yeah. is huge. Yeah, I, I was looking at his career stats, and you'd love for him to get to 1,000 catches, but I don't think he plans on playing long enough. He's in the 600s. He's never mm. been a 100-catch guy, so I don't think he's quite going to get there. And he's never been a big touchdown scorer. He's all yardage, mostly. Um, Jack Doyle needs three receptions to pass Ken Dilger for the fourth most receptions by a Colts tight end. Uh to uh Dilger had 261 again this week Justin Houston needs three sacks to hit 100 for his career uh Darius Leonard this is another big one he needs six tackles to pass Dwayne Bickett 
for the most tackles by a Colts player in their first three seasons. Bickett had 398. Uh, Rodrigo Blank. That one. Yeah, easily. Maybe maybe first quarter, definitely first half, yeah. you would think. Yeah. Uh, Hot Rod, Rodrigo Blankenship needs 11 points to pass Kerry Blanchard for the fifth most single season points in franchise history. Again, that's big. He's a rookie. Uh, there are a few other guys he'll he'll you know tie or pass in between that, but 11 points is is rather reachable for him in this game. Uh, we would normally do storylines and talk about injuries, but it's Tuesday night and practice literally hasn't even started for the week, so we just really have no idea about that. Instead, we will go ahead and segue you perfectly into this interview we did with Alex Kazora from Steelers Depot. He's going to help us figure out more about this matchup. Hey, Colts fans, we are here with Alex Kazora of Steelers Depot here to tell us all about the Steelers team who has kind of hit a little bit of a drastic slide lately. How's it going out there, Alex? <laughs> drastic slide, a little bit of a slide is a, is a nice way to put it, more like free fall, at least in the way Steelers fans are right now. But yeah, these last three games, especially Monday night's loss of the Bengals, really putting this team in a, in a tough spot here at the end of the playoff or, you know, going into the playoff season. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they started 11 0. They have three straight losses. Uh, losing to the Bills isn't much of a surprise. They're one of the better teams in the league. Uh, but I don't think people saw Washington come in. I don't think they saw Cincinnati winning last night, Monday. We're, we're recording this Tuesday. Um, just looking, kind of looking at those games, opponents haven't really been able to pass at any sort of voluminous effort. Uh, the rushing has gotten a little better each game, it seems. Uh, strategically, what does it what does it look like teams have been doing to, to hand Pittsburgh those losses? I mean, I would say for the first two, at least talking about Washington and, and Buffalo was a lot of Steelers beating Steelers. I mean, even the Baltimore game where they barely beat a depleted Ravens roster. I mean, they dropped 17 passes over those three games, talking mm-hmm. Baltimore, Washington and Buffalo. And this team has just been a really poor team in situational football. They're 31 percent on third down. There's zero percent on fourth down They're around 40% in the red zone. They're minus three and turnover differential. Uh, they are one of the worst short yardage teams in football over the last two years. They're 50, I think 54% on third and fourth and one. That's the worst mark in football. So it's a lot of basic fundamental stuff that, that is hurting Pittsburgh. And for them, you know, even during that 11 game winning streak, there wasn't much of a balance. The only menu that worked well for them was that quick pass game. And it worked well, but now you're seeing defenses adjust to it, dropping eight into coverage, robbing some of these quick slants and, you know, these one-step game, three-step game. And without the vertical pass game, which has been non-existent, and the run game, which has been invisible since basically the first month of the season, uh, there hasn't been a lot of ways for the Steelers offense to stay on schedule, win on possession downs, and execute in the red zone. So, um, and then defensively, I would say the Steelers come out with really good you know, game plans and scripts, but in the second half, teams tend to adjust better to them. If you look in the Washington and Buffalo game, Alex Smith and Josh Allen had a quarterback rating of about 57 in the first half of those games. In the second half, it jumped to 113. So you're seeing teams being able to adjust, beat the blitz better, um, and Pittsburgh just kind of wearing down later in games. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to ask was the defense, you know, the defense is playing well still. Like, it's not at the level it was earlier, mm-hmm. uh, but you guys had some losses, you know, Devin Bush earlier in the season, Bud Dupree, um, uh, I think you guys have lost another linebacker as well in there. Uh, lots of injuries on the defense. How has that kind of affected the defense's play um, of late, especially? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where the Steelers have a lot of talent on defense, obviously, and losing one guy isn't going to change this defense overall, but it's body blow after body blow. It's mm-hmm. like a boxer that keeps taking shots in the 14th round. They finally you know, collapse, and so you lose Devin Bush. You lose Bud Dupree. As you said, Vince Williams was on COVID, yeah. missed two games. He should come back for the Colts team, though, so that'll help right. Pittsburgh out a little bit. But you know, you can only lose so many guys and then replace them with so many guys to test your depth and guys in uncomfortable spots. Marcus Allen, former safety, playing linebacker now, and you're going to feel the, the diminishing returns and the struggles there. So again, the defense has still played well overall. They get pressure, they create takeaways, but you've seen this team struggle after halftime where defense or opposing offenses have made adjustments and they have countered the blitz better and um, just kind of Steelers not winning their one-on-one matchups, not being as physical in the trenches as they were to start the season. Yeah. You you mentioned those drops and kind of a, a quick strike passing game that's being adjusted to. A lot of what I've read and, and seen and heard about Ben Roethlisberger is that he's just kind of not not as sharp, maybe doesn't look like himself. Now he is an, an older quarterback. Mm-hmm. Does this look like the end or does stuff like the drops really make it look worse than what it is? I mean, it, it's both. I, I think it gets before the Bills game, I would have said it was more about the guys around Ben than Ben himself, but he played legitimately bad versus Buffalo and then was just horrendous in the first half against Cincinnati yeah. where the deep ball isn't there. Um, I thought he wasn't even mentally sharp against the Bengals. I mean, the thing that it really made the offense work well in that first 11 games was Ben was making great reads. They put the whole offense on his back. I mean, they cannot run the ball to save their lives. And so they've had to throw 40, 50 times a game and put all of that on Ben. So Occasionally, that's going to increase the number of mistakes just because of the volume you have in the past game. Um, but Ben has really struggled these last two weeks. And, he, and he, it's just one of those things where he says his arm's fine. And I think it is. But I wonder about that knee. He's had a knee issue. And he's kind of – it's not – the mobility's not there. He's not able to weight transfer and, and really drive into some of these throws deeper downfield. So I do feel like um, whether that's just an old knee, you know, just because he's 38 years old and he's Ben and he took 50 yeah. sacks early in his career, or whether that's some, you know, injury that's new that's limiting mobility and stuff like that. Uh, it's hard to say, but I do think it's playing some level of a factor. Yeah, and um, I'm shocked by the lack of the running game and also by how you guys are getting pressured, too, by by opposing defenses because, you know, when you think of the Steelers team over the last couple of years, you think of a really good offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year it seems to have dropped off a little bit from what I've heard and seen. You know, Pouncey's uh, not playing at the level he's typically playing at. DeCastro's kind of fallen off a bit. Um, some players have stepped up, but there, there's been some injuries as well. I think Filer at right tackle has been out. Um, and I think Dodson's been out for a bit as well. Mm-hmm. How's the offensive line play been in general? And are, are they kind of part of the factor why the run game's been non-existent for the Steelers? Yeah, in terms of the run game, uh, it's the, it's the number one reason why the run game hasn't been. Uh, it, it's been terrible. I mean, they've been held under 50 yards rushing in five games this year for the first time in franchise history. Now it looks a little bit better against the Bengals, but the Bengals came in with the bottom third run defense. So, yeah. you know, the Colts defense are going to be a much tougher task than what Cincinnati had to deal with. Um, there's been injuries. You're right. They lost their right tackle week one to start the year. They were on their third string left guard against the Bengals. Matt Filer, Kevin Dotson out of the game. And pass pro, I think they've been good. Part of that is, yes, because Ben gets the ball out of his hands so quickly, 2.2 seconds, fastest release in football. Mm-hmm. But the line overall has done a good job in pass pro. They weren't sacked for five straight games. At one point, they finally got sacked against Buffalo for the first time, broke that streak. So you have that kind of a streak. You know, I know that Ben gets the ball out of, out, out of his hand quickly, but your line's doing a pretty good job in pass pro. So it's one of those things where you sit there and say, you know, people are asking, should they make personnel changes? Should they shift the offensive lineman around? It was kind of, you know, do you want to, 
potentially sacrifice the pass protection to improve the run blocking and does that all kind of work out in the wash so uh but overall the run blocking has been poor they can't run power they're not physical in their combo blocks linebackers are running free at the second level just a lot of kind of you know it's, if it was one guy or one scheme you could fix it but it's kind of been a lot of guys a lot of schematic problems and really i don't have any optimism it's going to get a whole lot better for the postseason now this next thing i'll be singing zach's music here um <laughs> We, we know a lot around here about how slot corners can be disrespected. Uh, Kenny, <laughs> Kenny Moore is such a special player for the Colts defense, but yet nationally, out, outside of that one-handed interception, so many people nationally don't know anything about Kenny. Uh, he gets snubbed from the Pro Bowl. Now, the guys who made it, you could say they're deserving, um, but you know, Kenny, Kenny should have got in there as well. Pittsburgh's got their own really quality mm-hmm. slot corner, Mike Hilton. What makes him oh, such a good player? Yeah, no, every time I talk about Mike Hilton, I talk about Kenny Moore. He's the two best, you know, slot corners in terms of stopping the run, you know, being physical, just being the pound for pound, the toughest guy uh, on the field. And so for Hilton, it's kind of that underdog mentality, undrafted creation at Old Miss, Duke's 5'8", and uh, he just plays a lot bigger than that size. He's physical, takes on blocks, he supports the run well, his timing for the blitz is fantastic. I mean, he timed up Finley on a blitz in Monday's game. And Finley's barely played this year. And so it's like, how do you learn the cadence of a guy you barely even watched this year? They played him against him last year, so maybe that helped. But um, yeah, his timing on blitzes is really remarkable. Um, and, and he's a good cover corner. He's not a great cover corner, but it's certainly serviceable. And he just gives his defense so much flexibility where they can play nickel against you know two tight end sets or a fullback occasionally just because they trust Hilton to support the run and you know carry out the, the run responsibility. So unfortunately for Pittsburgh, he's a free agent after the season. Probably not going to resign because he's going to be costly to, to do so and Pittsburgh's up against the so uh, probably enjoying the last couple of games, Mike Hilton in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. Yeah, but he's definitely up there with Kenny as the best slot corner in football. I, mm-hmm. Like he's always a guy I compare to when I talk about right. Kenny as well. Like those are the top, the top two guys right there. Um, one thing looking at the defense here, the Steelers, I believe they're still near the top of the league in blitz percentage, right? Like they're yeah, always, like second or third. Yeah, always up there. And it always shocked me because, you know, even like before Bud Dupree went down, you have Cam Hayward, you have Stefan Tuitt, you have TJ Watt. A lot of teams wouldn't blitz as much when you have those caliber of guys rushing the passer. What does kind of the blitz do for this defense, though? Like, is it is it just to hurry up the quarterback's timing? Is it to just get that instant pressure? Why do they why do they blitz so much when they have so many like studs on rushing down the defense line? Yeah, it ebbs and flows. They really seem to attack, you know, younger, lesser quarterbacks. So they went after Garrett Gilbert. They went after Jake Luton. They did blitz Josh, Josh Allen a lot, which is a mistake in hindsight. But generally, if you look at some of the better quarterbacks, they do blitz a lot less, just if you look at the okay. week-by-week percentages. But um, I think overall, you know, Keith Butler was a linebacker's coach for a long time in Pittsburgh. He learned under Dick LeBeau, and, and Dick LeBeau's whole philosophy was safe pressure. So blitzes don't always mean six or seven guys. It may be let's drop an outside linebacker and blitz the off-ball linebacker up the B-gap instead or something like that. So you're only bringing four to five. You're just being creative about how you blitz and how you plan your attack. So Pittsburgh rarely goes cover zero. They rarely go six, seven, unless guys stay in. But it is about trying to be creative with, okay, let's blitz Mike Hilton and then drop the away side linebacker or something like that. So I think it's just different ways to create that safe pressure uh, that Dick LeBeau was so well known for. So it's a lot of those sim blitzes and fire blitzes that LeBeau was big on. I know that fire blitz was a huge Dick LeBeau thing. Like that's what he was kind of. Yeah, the fire zone. It's less fire zone. It's certainly more man coverage now. They've invested so much in Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson. So it's not quite, you know, when when Butler first took over as DC, you could basically pull the LeBeau playbook and you could see the same blitzes. So they've gotten away from some of those exact things, but just the general idea of safe pressure. Let's bring four and five creatively as opposed to, 
you know, Greg Williams covers you or send the house kind of deal. Yeah. Zach, you got anything else? Uh, man, honestly, it feels like a weird game where the Steelers offense, like you said, is that quick passing game, right? That's it, all it is. It's dedicated on the quick passing game. The Colts drop into that zone a lot and they, they allow those quick passes. The big thing for them is they're one of the best in the league at tackling underneath. Uh, they get pressure with four because they have a guy like Buckner, Justin Houston, Nico Autry. Those guys can get pressure. Um, how have the steel, I don't know if they've played many teams like this, but how the Steelers kind of performed against teams who are maybe more zone heavy and do they have more offensive success? Is it less offensive success? Uh, or do you not know off the top of your head? I'm not yeah. I, I would love to see the numbers on that. I mean, they do, they run a lot of man beaters, especially on third and shorts. So you play zone on third and three close Pittsburgh probably will have less success. I guess the thing I'm worried about with the Colts is a guy like Buckner, because not only can he of course rush the passer, but he gets mm-hmm. in throwing lanes because he's such a big long dude and he's going to yeah. be a guy that can tip a pass and get picked off. You know, he's going to be playing the quick game. I mean, there were, times where you know edge rushers they won't even go after the quarterback they just sit there and watch ben if it's third and three then because they know there's no way i'm gonna get to ben in time because he gets the ball out of his hand so quickly so let me just try to get in the throwing lanes and pack the game differently so that's my worry is will it justin houston tip a pass or at the force buckner get in a throw lane something like that so i think that's where the steelers offense has gotten itself into a lot of trouble how confident are you in this team going to the playoffs like we're going into because right now i'm assuming that you guys aren't very confident with this not very no i mean (laughs) I, I'm not jumping the, the, the ship on, on Ben. I know it's easy to do right now, but you know, just a month ago, we were talking about how well Ben was playing. He was the main reason why this team was 11 and 0. And I'm not going to pretend that he can't get back to that level. Mm-hmm. And defensively, they do the things that you have to do well as a defense in today's NFL. These teams are going to move the football. They're going to score points. That's just 2020, but Pittsburgh, they get pressure, they get sacks, they take the football away, they steal possessions. And so that still gives me some level of confidence, but overall this offense, such a limited menu of things to work well, and really nothing's working well lately with the quick pass game, not being as effective. Um, They got some tough uh, uh, tests with the Colts and Browns coming up. Hard to win those games. God forbid you lose five in a row, go into the playoffs. It's hard to be super optimistic right now. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this one. The two, uh, perceivably washed and over the hill quarterbacks coming into the year with people <laughs> we're talking about going against top six defenses in right. the league. So uh, obviously I think Rivers is playing better of late than, than Roethlisberger, but for most of the year, they were actually pretty comparable on everything mm-hmm. from, from EPA to DVOA. They were right next to each other on almost every single metric. Um, so yeah, I think it should be a pretty fun matchup here between these two and, and top defenses. Yeah. That Oh four draft class coming together, maybe the final time. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, probably, it probably is honestly. Yeah, uh, before we let you go, I saw the the current line is the Colts as one and a half point favorites at Heinz Field. I, I mean, I I know there's a lot lately that's going on. Is that is that fair? Do you, do you think the Steelers should be able to hold it down at home? No, I think that's fair. I don't know for sure what, what my prediction will be, but I'm pretty positive I'm going to pick the Colts in this one. And it's kind of easy to do when you when you lose the Bengals uh, the way Pittsburgh yeah. <laughs> did last night. So yeah, I think that line is more than fair. Pittsburgh certainly has to, to earn that that respect again that, you know, they are a competitive team and they can be, but they're going to have to have a good showing first to kind of get people back on their bandwagon. Oof, Colts fans will like to hear that. Well, Alex, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate ta- you taking your time. Yeah, anytime. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks again so much to Alex for his time. Uh, you can follow him online uh, on uh, Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. That's K-O-Z-O-R-A. And his work, again, is on Steelers Depot. Uh, for the Colts on the offensive side of the ball in this game, they may not be able to do too much with the run, at least not at the rate that they've done lately. Um, that, that Steelers 
defensive line is just really, really stout. Stefan to it. Um, you know, that's, they're, they're going to be tough to run against I'm Sure. There's again, there's really no one big glaring thing. The Colts might be able to do offensively. That defense is just stacked uh, to counter the pass rush though. Again, the Steelers are first in league in sacks. Do they go with the quick strike offense? Zach, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's probably the way that you got to go in this game. And honestly, the Colts have been that way all season. You know, they've, they've always been part of that, that quick strike offense is a big part in Frank Reich's game. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the way to go. I mean, I think they can, I, I do kind of want to see if they can run against this front because the offensive line's been playing at a super high level the last few weeks, but it's been against bottom tier run defenses. Mm-hmm. So it, I want to see if the offensive line can play the way they've been playing and Jonathan Taylor can play the way they've been playing uh, and at least try the run game, at least early on. But if all else fails, you know, they got to attack the middle of the field. Uh, the linebackers are not the starters they had early in the year. They might be getting Vince Williams back, which we just talked about with Alex. Uh, but, you know, they don't have Devin Bush. The, the middle of the field is where the Colts really attacked them last year in this matchup uh, with mostly the same defense. So, yeah, I, I think the short passing game, attacking the middle of the field in the passing game, uh, I think that could that could prove to be some success here for this Colts offense. That Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer offense versus the Steelers defense, seem, it seems like a lifetime ago, and I'm, I'm pretty thankful for that. It's Hoyer crazy. was actually <laughs> kind of – He had some nice like, plays early on. The pick six, which – the pick six killed, killed the game. Yeah. But – he was kind of outstanding for a lot of the, <laughs> for a lot of the game. Like I, yeah, I really thought he was pretty darn good for most of the game. So remember we all, remember we all had that confidence going into the Dolphins game because yes. of that. And then, yeah, and then <laughs> that's yeah. I, I remember after that, that Steelers game, I was telling my stepdad, we were talking about the Dolphins game coming up. I was like, watch Hoyer is going to cook the Dolphins and there might be a little controversy about Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer moving forward. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. I'm, I just felt, like we all agree. Yeah. Brissett probably shouldn't be a starting quarterback after that year. And he, and we all also agreed that we should go back to Brissett after that. Yeah. Dolphins game. We're like, Oh my, Oh my God. Can I donate my knee to Jacoby? And like at <laughs> halftime. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, Hoyer would be great if we started him from game one and we were able to tank for for a first overall pick. But <laughs> I don't think, you know, where the Colts were at in the season, there was no point in, in having uh, Brian Hoyer back there. Yeah, absolutely. This, um, you know, we kind of talked about the quick strike. They, they certainly have to try to run. You can't just not try, of course. Uh, the, the Colts' interior offensive line is kind of clicking right now. Glowinski, uh, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly—they they all had a pretty good showing last week um, against you know an okay defensive line that, that you know JJ Watt last week. So they certainly a, a, at least have to try. With how Jonathan Taylor's running the ball, though, that's you know it looks like he might be able to pick up yards just creating his own yards after contact. You know he's just yeah. running at a, at a whole different level. Uh, but it, it kind of feels like a Michael Pittman game to me in this one. Just real quick, you know, slants, crossers, little short out routes, things like that. I just got – I have a feeling about that. They, they don't – they may not have as many long-developing plays, and that could that could be to the tight end and Michael Pittman's benefit. Yeah, the player that I would circle as it being their game, and we kind of saw it on Monday night with the Steelers playing against the Bengals, is uh, Gio Bernard had a huge game for the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, he had the two touchdowns. He had a, a good amount of yardage. 
I think we could see a pretty good amount of success for Naeem Hines. And, and like we said on the, on the post game podcast, uh, you know, Hines has been running the ball really well lately. Uh, he's also, you know, he's been catching the ball great all year and making things happen, but he's also been averaging over eight yards to carry the last two games. So mm-hmm. I think getting him out there a little bit, I'm not saying take Taylor off the field or anything, but, you know, getting those scheme touches for Hines uh, against a defense who just struggled against basically a lesser version of him and Gio Bernard. I think that could be pretty successful. Again, take advantage of these linebackers because that's, I'm not saying these linebackers are horrible. You know, Vince Williams comes back. He's a good linebacker. Uh, Spillane's filled in fairly, fairly well as, as well. I don't know if he's going to be active this game. I know he's been dealing with some injuries, but um, I think you can attack this linebacker group with a guy like Hines. Cause there's not even a great, like any great linebacker in the league is going to struggle one-on-one with Hines. Mm-hmm. If you can get someone who's more of an average or even a decent linebacker, uh, you know, matched up with Heinz. That's where you got to really take advantage, especially against this quick pass rush. I mean, they're going to get back there. Um, one thing that you actually didn't mention in your stats that I wanted to throw in there was Braden Smith is officially two games away from finishing a season with zero sacks allowed. Two oh. games away, according to pro, yeah, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, so maybe other sites have him with giving up a sack, but on the year, I think it's been 520 pass uh, pass blocking snaps. He's given up zero sacks and only one quarterback hit. So that's going to be tested this week. That's going to be really tested this week going against the best pass rusher in football, TJ Watt, or you, second best, I guess, Miles Garrett. Yeah. Could, could but, you have imagined that looking at this last year? I mean, not that he was awful in pass protection, but it wasn't his strength, you know. He gave up like 12 sacks last year. Yeah. yeah it, you wouldn't have thought he was going to be the Colts' best offensive tackle this year, which he's he has Colts been. best offensive lineman this year, in my yeah. opinion. You know, yeah. and that's not me trying to be hot take. Quint, no, Quentin has not been consistent. And I think when he was on the injury report, he was legit hurt because he was not playing all that Quentin like. Um, yeah. I mean, he's been playing at a, like Quentin Nelson injured is a Pro Bowl level guard. Like, oh, he's been yeah, a Pro yeah. Bowl level guard this year. It's yeah. just, I think Smith, in my opinion, from what I've seen, has been borderline all pro with how he's played. And it, it does suck he didn't get the recognition with the Pro Bowl, and he's probably not going to get it for all pros as well. But mm-hmm. I think he's been just outstanding this year, and I think he's the best offensive lineman on this team currently. Uh, and that's going to be tested so much this week because last year T.J. Watt just ate Braden Smith's lunch all game. Like I think he had like three or four quarterback hits. He had a sack. He had a one and a half sacks in that game. Uh, Smith didn't really have an answer for not only the strength of TJ Watt, but also the quickness and, and ability around the edge that Watt has. So that's going to be a huge storyline for me personally. It's something that I really, I really want to see Smith get through the season with, with zero sacks allowed. And that's going to be extremely tested this weekend. Uh, if he can get by this, I think he can get to the end of the year uh, with it. But like I said, Watt's, you know, top two, top three pass rusher in football. So that's going to be really tested this week. Yeah, and th- this this seems like something that's probably more blown up by fans and you know, or or like a movie script really. But JJ Watt really does have a library on Braden Smith. You know, mm-hmm. he they've played each other a lot of times. There's no reason why TJ can't pick JJ's mind and tell him, you know, what kind of little stuff does he do with his hands? What what, what kind of sure. tips can you get off of his stance? Things like that. I mean, to be fair though, I think Watt only has like five or I think in five games played against Braden or six no it might be at this point it's probably it's probably going on like six seven games played against Braden I think he only has like one sack against Braden in mm. those games uh he had a couple big sack performances against the Colts in that time but most of the times he's lined up over Glowinski 
So mm-hmm. JJ has actually not had that much success against Braden. And, it's, uh, it's and that doesn't shock me because yeah. – Well, to me, it doesn't shock me just because, you know, JJ is, when healthy, is one of the best defenders in the history of this game. Yeah. Like, far and away, like one of the best to ever play. But he's through and through a power, a power rusher. Braden does way better against power rushers than he does against uh, those speedy guys. And maybe a younger JJ Watt would just kill him, you know, on the yeah. edge, like he, like he killed everybody. Uh, but I think braden has been really good with matching up with the power of JJ where TJ is a little bit smaller, a little bit quicker. And I think that is what really hurt him in that matchup last year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, JJ could be feeding, uh, you know, tips and stuff to TJ. I mean, JJ Watt actually had a pretty good game this past weekend um, and did get a couple pressures. I think, Braden hadn't allowed a pressure in about four weeks and Watt had like three last week against Braden. So yeah, he did have a better game. Um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I think this is going to be the biggest tough for him, t- biggest test for him. And, and also for the offense, you know, in the interior, they're going to have to deal with guys like to it and, and Cam Hayward, but yeah. TJ Watt on the outside is, is a superstar. I mean, there's, there's no hiding that anymore. So yeah, I mean, this, this defense line is going to be great, even with Bud Dupree out and it's going to be the biggest test of the season for this offensive line. Yeah, huge test, obviously. We, we all saw what the Steelers' defensive line was capable of against the uh, Colts' offensive line that at the time was considered the best in the league. You know, the, that Steelers' defensive front did some things. Uh, now, switching course to the other side of the ball, um, I, I feel a little more comfortable diagnosing what I think the Colts' defense can do against the, the Steelers' offense rather than vice versa. Again, a lot of a lot of quick strikes. That cold zone defense, you know, they just have a swarm mentality. I think that plays into their their favor. You know, um, keeping mm-hmm. things in front of them, quickly striking the ball. Kenny Moore, you know, I, I can I can see some tackles for loss from the secondary this week. A couple, whether it's Kari Willis, Kenny Moore, you know, Xavier Rhodes likes to get his nose dirty sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I think we know the Steelers can't run the ball well. The, the Colts are already a good run defense, so that's that's not really concerning. James Conner didn't even play last last week. Um, I, I think the biggest question I have is, will they be able to get to Ben? Because uh, yeah. the Colts the Colts get sacks and bunches, but they're not always the most consistent pass rush. Uh, but yeah, the, the Steelers have given up the fewest. Yeah, the, the the Steelers have given up the fewest. The Colts just sacked. Deshaun Watson, what, four or five times last week? Mm-hmm. They got Watson five more times two weeks before that. So we know in recent history they've got him in bunches. Um, what are what are you kind of looking at from, from the Colts' defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, like you said, is getting that pressure on Ben. And, and the Colts traditionally under Matt Eberflus have not done a great job of that against these quick-hitting quarterbacks. You know, Derek Carr – I don't even know if he's been sacked in the last three. I maybe been sacked like once or twice in the three years that the Colts have played him mm-hmm. uh, since 2018 with Matt, when Matt Eberflus took over this defense. Uh, but that's kind of what the defense is. You know, the defense invites quarterbacks to throw the ball quick, uh, and they rely on their ability, like you said, to to kind of gang tackle and attack and and not miss those tackles in space, which they've been great at this year. Um, the biggest thing that the Colts defense is really going to have to do is, is I think they're going to actually have to sit on those underneath routes. Uh, we've seen the last two weeks, the the Bills games and the Bengals games against the Steelers that those defense have been sitting on the underneath routes and Ben just doesn't have the arm to get it down the field. And, and like Alex just said, when we talked to him, it might be the knee, it might be the arm, whatever. But Ben's not really threatening the ball, threatening vertically at all. 
so I think, you know, guys like Kenny Moore, Rocky Sin, Xavier Rhodes, they can stay on those underneath balls. They can attack the slants and the, and the quick outs and stuff like that. Uh, but the biggest thing is just going to be tackling these playmakers when they touch the ball. You know, Juju's not having the greatest year, but he can still make things happen. Deontay Johnson is a playmaker when he touches the ball. Uh, Claypool has been outstanding this year for them when, whenever he's got the ball in his hand. So they do have playmakers in the receiving group, uh, and that's why the short passing game worked for them for most of the year. Uh, the biggest thing for this Colts defense is, you know, attack underneath, attack these quick passes, and don't allow those yards after catch. And I think they'll be perfectly fine. You know, I'm, I'm not really too scared of this running game hurting the Colts, even though I do think the Colts rushing defense has been a little bit leakier than it was earlier in the season. I think that was just Derrick Henry kind of banged into them a little bit and they got a little bit leakier from, from run defense standpoint, but I'm, I'm not too scared of the, of them, you know, running on the Colts. That's, you know, their priority one is to stop the run and, and they should be able to do that here. Uh, I think it's just sitting on those underneath passes and don't allow the big play downfield because Ben, Ben's kind of like Phil Rivers in a sense where even if the arm isn't really working for him, he can still make things work because he's played in the league for so long you know he has a bunch of mental mistakes on on monday but uh you know for the most part he's been in this league so long he knows how to read defense he knows how to get the ball out quick uh so yeah i, I think the biggest key is just going to be making those tackles the second these receivers touch the ball and and also just sitting on those underneath routes and and actually you know attacking them you know i, I know Iberflus likes to get in those habits where he drops guys and they allow the, in, the underneath passes um to much of the chagrin of a lot of fans, you know, I get those blowing up my mentions every single yeah. Sunday, but uh, I do think they're going to have to have these corners and these uh, linebackers really attacking those underneath routes in this one. Uh, and I could see it going either way. You know, I could see the Colts defense if they come out even a little bit flat, uh, you know, this, the Steelers offense is enough talent. Well, they'll, well, they'll beat you, you know, if you come out flat and you're not tackling and playing to your technique. Uh, but if they come out on point and they come out the way they've played a lot of this season, uh, I could really see a dominant performance from this top defense. So uh, the Colts defense should have success in this one. Uh, hopefully it's not like, you know, like the Bengals game or something where they came out flat, but uh, if they come out playing the way they've played for most of this year, uh, there's no issue. This defense shouldn't have too many issues with the Steelers offense right now. Yeah. That's kind of my thought. If, if they just play their game, they should be fine. We We've seen times like the, the Browns and Bengals where they just didn't show up early at all. And they had to settle in, in the second half. I think as long as they, they can play some semblance of quality defense in the first half and kind of set their own tone, they should be fine. Um, also interested to see Eric Ebron. I know he got banged up a little bit. Hopefully he, hopefully he plays cause you know, he's going to run his mouth and, you know, they go on IR but before the game. We don't know. Oh, oof. I, really I wonder- see that. Well, you see the seasons going downhill for the Steelers and put himself on IR. <laughs> <laughs> put him, yeah, I'm placing myself. And, yeah, and I know. I'm sure he's got a lot of friends on, on the defense. So I, I know him and Darius Leonard were tight, but that, that would be a fun matchup I'd like to watch. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of, again, I'm, I'm not fully buying into the whole put himself on IR. I was just mostly making a joke there when I said mm-hmm. that, but. You know, the, these guys, obviously, it's not going to be like a revenge thing. Like they want to get at Ebron and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's a little bit of like a friendly, you know, like, oh, we're, we're not going to let Ebron beat us because he was just with us the last couple yeah. of years. You know, we are all friends. You know, they don't want their their friend to beat him. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun thing that if he goes, you know, we'll see how the Colts defensive players kind of attack him in that game and, and make sure that he's not the one who beats them at least. Yeah. Something tells me I could see like him and Yasin getting chippy. Like that just – you know rocks a quiet dude but he gets chippy for a quiet dude he does he does 
Well, I mean, you got any thought? You got any more thoughts on this matchup? No, I mean, honestly, I want to see. Honestly, I really just want to see a big defensive performance from the Colts. You know, I I want to kind of see like what the Bears game was for the Colts earlier in the year. Like, I don't care if the offense, if the Colts offense puts up twenty or like you know thirty points or fifteen points, like whatever. Uh, but I want to see this Colts defense really come out and, and and punch this ailing Steelers offense in the mouth. You know, I want this the Colts defense to show everyone that you know they are a top six defense in the league and and show it right there. You know, against a team like the Steelers, I think that'll be the big key to this game. And you know, if the offense is just able to be steady and not turn the ball over, I think they'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to see those first half. You know, those first half woes that we've kind of seen recently with the Colts defense, where they've been a little bit leaky in the first half and they shut it down the second. Um, I, I think the Colts really need just the overall just dominant defensive performance in this one because uh, their offense is going to have their hands full with that Steelers defense. They really need to take advantage, though, of this Steelers offense that's just not playing very well right now. Absolutely. I think this this is some sort of playoff preview for the Colts. Uh, it's the yeah. exact atmosphere they need to try to prepare themselves for. I mean, yes, the Steelers have lost three in a row, but they're not just suddenly awful. Like, they – probably weren't a truly 11 and 0 team going into it, but they're a playoff team, you know, this, and it's on the road. It's going to be cold. This, this feels very much like a January game. Mm. Uh, so the, this is a bit of a precursor for them. So I just want to see them arrive. You know, they don't put together a whole lot of 60 minute efforts, but we got to be able to tell that they've gotten off the bus, you know? Yep. Yep. So that is it for us today, guys. Much shorter than usual, a little mini-sode for you. Uh, please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. And Zach can be found on Twitter and Instagram at ZachHicks2. My written work can be found on Sports Illustrated, and Zach is on Stampede Blue and Cover One. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer, like us to answer on the show, uh, please send them through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond when we send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at believe.com. Or if you're interested in advertising on our show specifically, just shoot us an email. You will hear from us again after Sunday's game as we break down all the action. Stay safe and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.